Welcome to the Homie Hut Podcast. I'm your host, John Facundo. And on this show, I shoot the breeze with some of my friends about their everyday lives. Some of them have managed to go on to do some pretty cool stuff. I'm talking to regular people who sometimes go on to do extraordinary things. So kick back, listen in, and enjoy the show. This is the Homie Hub Podcast. If you're really sweet, you can't wait to your real self. Get out. Dave, how's it going, man? Good. How are you, John? Doing well. Thanks for coming on, man. No problem. So give us an introduction or a brief background and how you got into photography. Okay. Um, well, I'd say it started out as a, um, uh, I was a graphic design major in my junior college. <clears throat> I went to Las Positas out in the, in the Bay Area for a couple of years while I was trying to pick a major and I just decided to pick, uh, go for graphic design. And one of the requirements for that was to take a photography class like a beginning photography class with, um, to teach you how to, um, process film and the dark room and everything. And I just fell in love with photography and the process, uh, from that class and sort of incorporated that incorporated photography throughout my career from there. When I transferred to Sac State, I was a graphic design major, but then ended up going back to Sac State for my second bachelor's in photography. And that really helped me um, market myself in, at my job at Sacramento Magazine. So I was able to uh, incorporate that into my job. And then after that, I decided to go g to get my master's. And there's a program in Scotland uh, at the Glasgow School of Art. So I applied for that, I got in and then I graduated from that program with my visual communication degree. And that's basically with the focus on photography. <clears throat> and when I came back from that, um, I worked for Shutterfly for five years as our photo editor. And then when I moved back to Sacramento, um, I had a chance to work at Sacramento magazine again, but this time as art director and incorporate my uh, photography into that position as well. What type of photography do you enjoy doing the most? I would say because I grew up in the mountains and the, in the Sierra Nevada mountains and just have a immense respect for nature. I, I just connected with nature and landscapes, uh, early on as a kid and I think that, that embedded like a, um, a passion for nature. And I, I think my biggest passion for photography is definitely landscapes, landscapes and travel photography. Is there any particular area in the world? I know you said you went to, to school in Scotland. Um, mm -hmm. is there a place that you really enjoy shooting? over another or there are multiple places. Tell me about that. So my first trip abroad, when I was in my undergrad at Sac State, I, I studied architecture in Venice and that was the first time I left the U S and, um, it was in Venice, Italy. And I just, I fell in love with, 
with uh, that city. It's pretty amazing. And uh, I just went out every chance I got and took photos and uh, explored that city. Like, gosh, I don't know. Well, I was there for a month, so I would go out, you know, almost every day and, and explore different areas with my camera. And uh, I think that's kind of what sparked the whole travel photography passion. And uh, I enjoy pretty much going anywhere and taking photos. It, it, there's no particular favorite place. I would say if I had a favorite place to photograph, it would be it would be backpacking out in nature, like desolation, wilderness, or um, mm -hmm. exploring a new like landscape. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I'm I'm happy just going anywhere. Uh, any travel destination. Um, I know we have a lot of beautiful scenery around here. Is there anything in particular, like you just keep going back to like, Oh, I got to go shoot in Auburn or I got to go shoot in Yosemite or. Oh yeah. Well, I do have the places that I keep going back to. And I would say desolation wilderness is, is probably on the top of the list just because <laughs> there's so many cool uh, landscape features there. It's just so diverse and there's waterfalls and lakes everywhere. And it's just kind of my own little per paradise, but I do, I have explored a lot of the U S I've been to me and a buddy of mine. Um, he has a goal before he dies to visit every national park. Mm. And so him and I have visited several, uh, national parks together and, uh, that's been like one of my outlets as well. I'd say like exploring Yellowstone, um, Mesa Verde, uh, just went to Pinnacles a couple months ago. What's here in California. I've been to Yosemite countless times. I can't, I can't remember. I can't even count how many <laughs> times I've been there. Um, Joshua tree. I mean, death Valley is also another one that I just, uh, recently got to explore and that was pretty incredible um yeah so national parks uh certain certain cities probably small towns i, I enjoy going to the smaller towns than the big cities to take photos so talk to me about your process when you're like let's say you're in desolation mm -hmm. uh, wilderness right do you just have a, a set series of shots in your head that you want to take, or do you kind of let nature dictate what you're going to take? I kind of follow the light. So I'm a big hmm. chaser of light. So whatever, usually like I wake up super early for sunrise or uh, most of the time sunset photography just because of the lighting and, um, it all depends on the light for me, uh, where I'm going to frame my photo or how I'm going to plan the photo. I might be out taking photos during the day, but I might, I might see something and I'm like, damn, that, that would look really good for sunset. Cause the light's going to hit it at this particular time. So yeah, I just kind of plan around, plan around the light. When you're out in the field and you're out wandering around, is your setup pretty massive? Is it 
like multiple bodies that you take with you and lenses and glass and no i'm pretty simple like i yeah i don't really have a, a bunch of lighting equipment and i bring a tripod my camera maybe if i'm if i'm out backpacking i only bring one lens because i got to keep my weight super light but uh in general i only have like one or two lenses with me at a time when i'm out photographing because yeah most of the time i'm exploring and i'm carrying everything so i, I just want to keep it keep it light if i'm doing more serious work like i'm on an assignment and i need to have particular light and maybe the natural light isn't ideal condition so i'll bring like a um a light panel or i'll just um overexpose my images with natural light but that's like my my normal process are, are you pretty patient with with nature or are you yeah that require it, it does require a lot of patience because like some of the like i went to new zealand i don't know maybe f six or seven years ago and i remember climbing this mountain this insane mountain that i don't think i've ever had such a hard hike in my life but when i got to the top it basically took me, I don't know, half a day to climb to the top. And when I got up there, I knew there would be a really amazing sunset because the clouds and everything were scattered. And that's like usually ideal conditions for a great sunset. So I just ended up staying up there until, until the sunset. I got some awesome photos, but then I had to hike back down that, that mountain in the dark and that wasn't fun. You know, you take a lot of risks and a lot of, um, it does take an incredible amount of patience to, to wait for the light to get just right. Or, um, you know, if there's a, something in the scenery that needs to fall into place, I don't know, like a passing storm or, um, like a, a sailboat off in the distance, you know, or just people walking into your frame you guys yeah you have to be patient all the time yeah you don't want any photo bombing or anything like that yeah exactly um, yeah <laughs> is there a series of photos or memorable shoots that stand out like where you were you were surprised like by nature and like really unexpected ways gosh so many different times um like you went in for one shot thinking okay i'm gonna get a beautiful sunrise and then all of a sudden like you've got whales popping up Oh, like some like really cool thing happened. Well, I would say never, never had like a well or like any sort of animal pop into my frame. But when I was in Yellowstone shooting, um, it was a very cloudy day. And actually there was a lot of smoke in the air because of the fires. And me and my buddy were just walking around and did not expect that one of the best sunsets of my life was about to happen. Mm. Um, we were at this like lake. I don't even know the name of it, but it was, um, it was just, you know, just a, a reservoir lake, I think. And we were just driving by and all of a sudden the sun just, just went behind this cloud and the sky turned like this crazy, like, uh, bright pink and different colors got out of the car and 
they're shooting photos and in the field in the foreground some bison walked by oh wow and so i got the bison with the lake and the sun going behind the mountains it was like grand tetons in the distance and yeah that was like that was an incredible shot another one you probably are familiar with is the one where i i was on top of one of the buildings in sacramento and watched one of the sunsets and a bunch of birds just started flying. I don't know, you know if you if you're from Sacramento, you know this, but the bird the birds downtown they always like come out at a certain time, and it it was like the perfect perfect sunset with like all the birds flying, and I just got a really cool shot. So, what is the most like challenging environment that you've ever? worked in like where nature was just fighting you the entire time mm. oh gosh where would that be yeah i really have to think about that one actually you know when i lived in scotland there's many 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 times when i would um I would take on the weekends I, I when I didn't have classes and I didn't have assignments and stuff I would I would rent a car and go up into the highlands because you can literally be in the highlands in like two hours and uh I mean the UK and Scotland is really known for rain like pretty much it rains all the time there and you know I would go out whether whether it was rain on the forecast or not because when you get a break in the rain especially when it's stormy and then the clouds part and the sun comes out like you get these this incredible lighting and in scotland and in particular the sun never really goes above you because you're so high in the north in the hemisphere so the sun's always like sort of like at the perfect level to take photos so i would always go out there thinking you know hoping to get some awesome lighting and there are several times where i'm it's just pissing down rain the entire time mm -hmm. so yeah there's fighting fighting the rain over there was it always a challenge and it's probably cold and you're like i gotta get this shot i gotta suffer for my art here yes but i want to be by a fire with a cup of coffee or right there i mean there's times i got lucky too and i got where the the sun did come out because Scott, I mean, they're known for like the sun comes out every day, maybe two or three times a day, but it's always like rain in between them. So you just, you just kind of have to wait around to the sun, sun parts. And yeah, I would say that would, that would be the most challenging. You know, I, I was chatting with my buddy, Doug, and he, he gets to, he goes to Iceland and I guess for him, the ice caves are some of the most challenging oh yeah because of the water melting and, and whatnot so oh yeah and you got to make sure your equipment is safe and yes yeah i've never been to iceland it sounds really really cool though so how do you balance the like the technical aspects of your photography with like i know that nature has a, a tendency to bring out like like strong emotions sometimes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i know you want to tell a story with your photos right Right. I guess what I'm asking is just how do you balance the technical aspects of your photography with like your emotional connection to the 
to the subjects of the shots. Uh, yeah, sometimes you don't even have time to think about that. Like, I'd say most of the time I'm just shooting be- from emotion, you know, from from telling the story. But um, yeah, technical stuff comes up all the time. And I said most of the technical would probably be um, using a tripod because mm-hmm. not all the time, like, I'm not always with my tripod, you know, so I have to like find a rock <laughs> or find a ledge or something to keep my camera steady right. on to take the photo. So, um, but yeah, I guess just the exposures. I mean, with digital cameras nowadays, it's like you can just, you can take multiple images close to each other at the same, around the same time. So you, you can bracket and take as many photos as you want but if you're using film or something like that that's that's when it becomes way more technical so i would say like shooting digital isn't really isn't really too technical sure knowing knowing what your camera can do and all the functions and everything is probably the is probably the most challenging part but um film is like where it really is you have to put a lot more thought into each shot and you only got one one chance to get that one frame. So a lot more, a lot more thought goes into it. Dude, can you imagine like being on a photo shoot back in the old timey days with like Ansel Adams or something where, (laughs) yeah. Well, yeah, they had to have glass sheet plates, uh, you know, and he shot with huge glass plates, probably 16 by 20. Right. You know, think about how big those negatives are. I'm sure the negative was um, probably eight by 10 or five by seven or maybe four by five. Mm-hmm. But but having to carry all that equipment, uh, I mean, he had to have a, a donkey and a mule or whatever he used to, to carry all that stuff, plus assistance. And um, you have to pretty much bring your dark room with you to, to, uh, you know, process that, that photo, unless he somehow was able to keep that negative dark and safe on his, on his hike back down to the, his dark room or wherever that was. But most of the time I think they had to actually do it out in nature. Like each shot, they had to actually process the negative there. Yeah. I want to, I want to say I've seen like, some photos or something that somebody took of his rig and it was like a big wagon or something that was like covered. And I think he took his lab, like you're saying, he took his lab with him. Mm -hmm. So imagine that, you know, he's waiting for the perfect shot Mm -hmm. and you know, it's a process, man. We take that for granted today, you know? No, we do. Yeah. I mean, with digital cameras, it's so easy, even with phones, you know, even Mm -hmm. the the technology in phones is so good now. So, uh, it's so, yeah, we have no idea what, what they had to go through to get the great shot. And his, his stuff is, you know, specifically his stuff is so emotive. Like you look at it and it definitely conveys like a sense of emotion to you. Mm-hmm. you know? I think cause it, again, you have to really concentrate on one frame at a time. So you're putting probably 
eight times more thought into each picture rather than just like with digital, you're just snap, 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 snap away. You know, I can delete, I can delete the ones that I don't like later. But do you actually ever go back and delete them? Probably not. You just put them on a server somewhere. Right. Right. <laughs> and hope you don't lose them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So are there any places in the world that you haven't seen that you really want to get to and you really want to shoot? Yes. Uh, Egypt and uh, Japan are on my the top of my list to visit. Mm. Um, I mean, not just to, to explore with my camera, because I mean, that would be the most amazing part for me, but also just the history and the art and the museums and the... Um, the cultures that's just they both really intrigue me mm -hmm. and yeah i'm 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 been wanting to go there ever since i was a kid i don't, I don't know why i haven't gone yet i've gone to all these other places but i haven't i haven't been there yet but it just gives me something to look forward to i guess i, I gotta imagine that the whole of africa is just rife for like just beautiful landscape shots yeah i mean you, you see all the stuff from national geographic and it's just like whoa yes yeah the landscape seems so so different you know from anywhere else and south america i think would be really amazing too so i mean there's so much to see so much to see in both those countries it's it's overwhelming to even start thinking about tackling it <laughs> right right and there's still a lot more to see in the u.s too like you know there's still so many cool things to see here so yeah like i've there's certain parts like back east that or like in the south that every once in a while you'll see a photo pop up and you're like wow you know it's from tennessee or something or you mm -hmm. know west virginia or, or i gotta imagine that every state just has its its own unique beauty yeah that you can capture no, I totally, yeah, there's so much to see and explore here. I feel like a lot of people feel like they need to go far to get out of their comfort zone and out of their element in order to really open your eyes and see the difference of cultures or difference of landscapes. And I feel like that maybe that's why a lot of people prefer traveling in other countries. Right just because you're just so out of your element you're so yeah you're just so more observing so what do you make of all these like influencers and stuff going to all these sites and <laughs> and using their phones do you think that like is a benefit to photography do you think it's a detriment what do you think it's i'm on the fence because i mean i've been to some of these places where they where they go actually i just went on a trip to canada for my first time and we were hiking out in um, like a, a few hours north of Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And there's these like awesome turquoise lakes that you can hike to. But social media has like, be, has made it so popular that, I mean, you can't even find a parking spot there anymore. It's like, it, first of all, you ha it's in the middle of nowhere. So when you get there, it's, you don't have any other cars or whatever you're following. So when you get there, there's this huge parking lot with all these cars. And you're like, what the hell? And there's signs everywhere that talk about, you know, how the, the lakes become Instagram famous. And 
I think, I mean, it's cool in the fact that people can, it gets people out in nature and, you know, it gives someone to a destination to go to, but at the same time, I mean, the impact on nature is, is irreversible what they're doing. Right. Um, they're not staying on the trail. They're not, they're not, uh, obeying the rules of being out outside. You know, they're throwing their garbage on the floor. Um, you know, they're just not respecting, respecting nature as they should. I saw, I saw a thing, um, not too long ago, I guess these people have a farm in Vermont or something and it's become Instagram famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and tons of people have descended on it so much so that they had to put up a, like, like warning signs and people were just like walking onto the property, you know? So I can definitely see that as being the downside of that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of, I mean, I, if, if I were, if it was, the rules were up to me, I would, I wouldn't put locations on photos on Instagram. I just, I just wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Cause you're gonna, you're just gonna bombard that area with traffic and maybe the businesses would, would be uh, cool with it, you know, cause they get more business around that area. But yeah, in the long run, it's, I mean, nature's, in my opinion, is the most important part. Sure. And protecting that and is probably uh, uh, the biggest concern to me. See, I, I find it more unique if people find unique places versus everybody going to the same spot, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It, because to me, that's kind of like, it's almost, it's re- it becomes redundant. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times can you see that swing that's on the coast? You know, the swing that everyone gets in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've seen that a million times over my Instagram feeds. I know. And if you did, haven't gone there, then you're not, you're, you're not cool. <laughs> right. You're not cool for posting it. The priorities are so messed up on there. It's like, yeah. yeah so I, I remember going to um, Yosemite to see Firefalls one year. And I, I've always wanted to see it and photograph it. And I went there. This was, I don't know maybe eight years ago and you have to get there early in the morning to set up your tripod. Sure. This doesn't happen until sunset. So think about this. You're sitting out there all day long, staring at the same spot for like eight hours. And by the time the sunset hits the falls and, and you know, the, it happens where the, you know, the, the waterfall gets, turns super bright and everything. There's probably at least a hundred to 150 photographers all with their tripods set up in the same area, pointing at the same, right. getting the right. same exact shot, just maybe slightly different angle. Right. So yeah, that, I mean, that's another example of, I don't know if that's a social media type thing, but still the impact on nature and all the, um, the people that come, it's pretty amazing to see, but. Yeah, it's it's discouraging at the same time. Yeah, it's it's pretty discouraging when you're sitting there. You've been there, you know, since the morning, and then a couple of buses pull up and people pile out, and yeah, and then they just they you know? buddy right up next to you. They literally <laughs> right put their tripod sometimes right in front of yours. I mean, there's like no 
consideration or respect or yeah yeah exactly yeah it's it's so i try to avoid those areas i don't i'm not i'm probably never ever going to go back unless i'm going just to see it you know without taking photos and just enjoying it rather than making it you know an assignment for myself didn't they used to do like a like a actual firefall where they would dump no i think that's sort of like the native american like probably story i I actually okay i don't even know if that's that's even real that's true yeah Yeah. it's just it looks it the the light hits it in such a way that it it just yeah it looks like fire it looks like lava coming down the mountain it's just glowing and it's it's you you know depending on the sunset and the color that night it can get like a golden really beautiful golden color mm-hmm. um, with an amazing sky behind it so it just looks like an eruption just happened or yeah it is pretty cool to see I will say that but avoid the I mean unless you have to have the photo that everybody else takes <laughs> right I would I would <laughs> avoid I would avoid making that the priority <laughs> have you ever shot in Hawaii speaking of lava like, yes, I have. I've I've uh, I've backpacked in the Pali Coast. That was one of one of the my favorite backpacking trips ever. And actually, I got a really good. Um, I got some really good shots from that too. The lighting was, you know, a storm had just passed. I was dripping wet, soaked. Uh, everything I had on me was was drenched. And uh, I was setting up my tent in the pouring rain, and as soon as I finished the rain stopped the sun came out and i ran out into the uh the ledge to take some photos because it was unreal the light was so was so cool so do you have any big um projects in the works any not at the moment right now i'm i'm just trying to find another job and focus on take my next step in my career um (laughs) personal project wise i'm right now just going through photos and organizing and backing up photos because i got new new backup uh, devices so yeah no 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 big projects right now i'm just taking little side projects and yeah just trying to find full-time work well at this point in the podcast i typically do a lightning round Mm -hmm. where i just ask you five questions that um i had AI generate for the podcast mm-hmm. a few minutes before we came on. So let's, let's tackle some of those. There's five of them. Okay. So number one, number one is if you could have a dance off with any historical figure, who would it be? And what's your signature dance move? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, let's see. If I could have a dance off with any historical figure. Oh my God, this is good question. Um, dance off. I would have to say, dance off. Dang, this is hard. Hmm, it has to be someone historic. It said, "Yeah, it says with okay. any historical figure, who would it be?" Historical. Figure. And what's your signature move? 
I guess historical could be like yesterday. It could be last week. Be, okay. You know. Okay. That makes it easier. Cause I'm trying to think of like old, old. Yeah. Like you, you and Ansel Adams just, you know, out there in <laughs> <laughs> just so many busting dance moves. Right. Uh, actually, I mean, that would be pretty rad to see. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he, he wasn't a dancer. So. Right. Um, I could probably win in that competition. Um, <laughs> And my signature dance move would probably be like, uh, you know, some sort of hip hop, hip hop dance. <laughs> I did take a hip hop dance class, so I do have some moves in me. So Ansel comes in with the, uh, you know, old timey jig. Yeah. <laughs> and then you come in with like the moonwalk. <laughs> yeah. Or some sort of hip hop move. Nice. Would, yeah, that would be so rad. Like the, the Mario Lopez uh, cabbage patch or something right <laughs> see cabbage pads with a running man yeah, something like that yeah all right if you were um number two if you were a superhero hero what would your bizarre and oddly specific superpower be mm -hmm. and how would you use it in everyday life i thought about this before and i always thought it would be cool to be invisible mm. be my, so that i could be in like so I could be like a spy or be some sort of like fly on the wall and, and, and see what goes on. Like, is there really such thing as aliens? Is there, mm, right. or just, you know, like being like a spy, I guess that would be my superpower. Just kind of sneak in and then sneak out. Sort yeah. Of thing. And no, like <laughs> all, all these things that, you know, that are uh, so top secret. I think the second one would be being able to fly would be super cool, but the, just because it's fun, you know? Yeah. You could just like take your camera with you and fly around. Yeah. And, you don't know. need a drone. You could just go up there. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Number three, if you had to create a new holiday dedicated to something completely absurd, what would it be called and how would we celebrate it? I think having a holiday like a pet holiday where we can bring our bring our pets out into some, you know, I don't know to celebrate all our pets, you know, and I don't know how that looks. I somehow like, uh, I don't know, maybe all pets get like special treatment that day, like spa services or I don't know, but just, being able to incorporate our pets into a national holiday would be fun. And having the day off just, just to spend with your pet. Dude, that that's awesome. I, I recently saw something like in Turkey or something where they, or maybe it's in India or I can't remember. Apologies to whoever, whatever country. But there is like a holiday where they celebrate dogs, I think. Hmm for being like loyal pets through the year. I mean, it makes sense, right? Cause our pets are sort of our emotional support for, we should have a day to honor them. I mean, every day is to honor them, but like yes. having a national like, like holiday where you have a day off to really like, right. you know what I mean? That'd be cool. Right. Well, and that kind of segues into the next question in a parallel universe where animals are in charge, which one do you think would make the best president and why? Ooh, 
and it could be any animal, huh? Yep. Hmm. I mean, the first one that comes to my mind is a lion, just because they're they're the you know they're the king. kings of the jungle. Yeah, they're just like on the top of the food chain, I should say. But uh, yeah, I'm just gonna stick with that. I, I would say a lion. All right. If your pet could talk for just one day and spill all your secrets, what embarrassing stories do you think they'd share? Oh, gosh. Um, I was like, you know, when you get your burst of energy and you're dancing around the house or whatever. Um, right. To see those those really stupid moments when you're like, you're not meant to have an audience, you know, you're just goofing off. <laughs> so that goes full circle back to you and Ansel Adams, like, yeah, dip -hop. yeah. <laughs> These are some random questions too. <laughs> wow. Well, Gabe, it's been good having you on the podcast, man. I really appreciate you jumping on board here. No problem. It was fun. folks that's a wrap for the homie hub stay chill stay curious and i'll catch you on the flip side